Well, things were going really well for my bride and me. We were in this beautiful garden, fruit hanging from all the trees, and we could eat what we wanted. All the animals were our pets. We didn't have a stitch of clothing, but that was all right. There was no shame in that. And it was just going great. We were just given one restriction. Don't eat from that tree in the middle of the garden. Well, then somebody, I won't say who, got tempted. This serpent drove up in a big red bus, opened the bus door and said, Yes, man, step right up. Come on, come on along. I'm going to take you to the Big Apple. You'll see things like you've never seen before. Step right up. And so she thought for a moment and then thought, okay. And he took her to the Big Apple. And it was a shopping trip. And she saw what she just had to have but couldn't afford. So she took it. Took a bite. And of course, then she brought it home to me. And held it out. And I looked at it and I looked at her and I thought to myself, well, I don't have to sleep with God tonight. So I took it and took a bite. And wham, it's like my eyes were opened and all of a sudden I was afraid and uh, I felt like I needed to hide. I needed to hide from God. I needed to hide from her. And I went looking and she went looking for the biggest leaves we could find. And what we needed to cover at that moment, what that fruit did to us, what that disobedience did to us, was... Make it wrong to be different from each other. See, when she was taken out of my side, I celebrated how we were the same. She was bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. But now I had to cover what made me different from her. Differences. It's interesting when we think of all the effects of sin in the human heart. One of the ones we don't often think of is alienation because of differences. And we see it in almost every shape and size, in almost every relationship we have, where the things that make us different or make us feel different are the things over which we feel shame and alienation. So whether it's genders together, whether it's ages together, whether it's racial differences, ethnic differences, cultural differences, educational differences, we Elevate one and put down the other and separate from each other because of it.
And today I would like to introduce you to someone you already know, but by a name you may not know. Pontifex Maximus. Pontifex being a Latin, actually two Latin words combined together, ponti meaning bridge, and fex being the word for make or build or do. Maximus, uh, you can probably figure that one out. The great bridge builder. Because for a world that has felt the impact of sin on it the way it has, we need someone to show us how to build bridges. And I believe Pontifex Maximus was sent into the world to do that. We see it in Ephesians chapter 2, and if you haven't turned there yet, I'll ask you to turn there. Famous portion of Scripture, but not often understood, I think, fully uh, in terms of what it shows us about the good works that we are to be involved in. Ephesians chapter 2. I believe that Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, knows he's writing to a people that are educated theologically. They understand a lot. He spent two years teaching in the school of Tyrannus in the midst of his time in Ephesus. And I think that the people of Ephesus, believers in Ephesus, got a real uh, deep understanding of many things. It's interesting how in Jesus' uh, letter to them in the book of Revelation, he talks about how much they know and how they use their knowledge. It's interesting, we talked about this uh, last Sunday night, how Ephesus was a place that, according to Revelation 2, 1 to 7, had their hates together as believers. They hated the proper things, but it was love they struggled with. And I think you see that reflected in this epistle. Paul returns over and over again to the way love should manifest itself in their hearts and the way they see it manifested in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 starts with kind of where we are or were before Christ worked in us. Look at verses 1 to 3. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, You know, there's an awful lot in our culture now about the walking dead. Folks, that was us. We were the walking dead. In which we formerly walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the breast of mankind. Wow. Children of wrath. But what Paul is doing here is he is going to display to us how great the chasm was that Pontifex Maximus built a bridge over. How great the difference was between God and us that he found a way to bridge. 
And it's often clear in the Scripture that Paul especially feels the need to get us lost before we understand the significance of what God has done to find us. Because especially when it comes to sin, have you ever... Have you ever uh, kind of understood uh, or seen this in yourselves? It's like we can always stand our own stink. You all are looking at me very innocently. We can always stand our own stink. It's other people's stink that we can't stand, right? I mean, I'll be out mowing the lawn and... Uh, I'll come in after, you know, a couple hours of work out there and my wife goes, Oh, don't, don't touch anything. Don't sit on anything. Don't sit on any of my furniture. My furniture. I love that. You know, get in the shower and I go, sweetheart, it's not that bad. We can always stand our own stink. It's other people's stink that we have a trouble, that trouble with. And the same is true of sin. You know, you're sinners. I'm misunderstood. That's how we often feel it. If we were to make a list of the ten worst sinners, our name would not be on the list. We don't think of ourselves that way. And so Paul has to Help them understand how lost they were. How deep the chasm was that sin put us in. In order to understand the wonder of what God does here. Sin wrecks everything. But then we come to verse 4 and we see two of the most amazing words. In all the scripture. But God. But God. Being rich in mercy. Because of his great love. With which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is quite a bridge. From the depths that we were in. That sin put us in. Has alienated from God as it was possible to be children of wrath. To now being seated in the heavenlies and having a hope of eternal ages. Being shown kindness and grace and love from God. Who could do this but Pontifex Maximus? Who could build a bridge for sinful men and women, children, to come from that depth of sin into the presence of God forgiven. Paul makes clear kind of how it works very specifically and individually. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I think a lot of times in in studying this passage, reading this passage, we put a break there. But I don't think the apostle intended a break. I think he now moves to another place where we have felt the alienation of sin. What it has done to us. The damage it has done to us. And I think he takes from human experience the greatest gulf between humans that exists in the world. He says in verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So now there is a group of people, Paul says, who had a covenant with God, had a relationship with God in whose midst God dwelt in a temple. And they were his children, but you were outside of that. They had a hope and a promise, and you were outside of that. So at the human level, there are two, there are two groups that could not be more possibly alienated than Jew and Gentile. And I think Paul takes us into this human alienation now to show us that Pontifex Maximus didn't just build a bridge to God. He didn't just build a bridge for sinful human beings to come to God. But now, again, another famous but here in verse 13. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off from those people who had that relationship with God, a covenant relationship, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing, I love the way the ESV puts this, thereby killing the hostility. So once again, we see the depth of the chasm that existed between Jew and Gentile. And we see that Christ has come to build a bridge between these two alienated groups. And again, I think the apostle chooses these groups because there is no greater alienation existing between humans than between Jew and Gentile. All lesser divisions... Male, female, young, old, racial, educational, cultural, 
all other divisions that we as humans feel, Christ has done the exact same thing. And for a church that had its hates together, they needed to understand what Christ had done to bring these divergent groups of all kinds together as one. Because the reality is, in our day and age, we have built walls of hostility between ourselves and other believers in Jesus. We have done the thing that Christ Jesus did. We have undone the thing that Christ Jesus did in tearing down the walls of hostility. And so there are believers that many times we have issues with and we erect a wall of division between ourselves and them. Non-charismatic, charismatic. Arminian, you know, reformed. Uh, Baptistic, you know, Presbyterian. Shall I go on? Because I can. So many ways. It was Adam Clayton Powell who was then echoed by Dr. Martin Luther King who said, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. So we need to think about the way sin still operates in us and the good works to which Jesus is calling us, which we have been created to do. And I believe that means following Pontifex Maximus. Anytime we see a wall starting to be built, we, if need be, lay down our lives to take that wall down between me and another believer. Because that's what Jesus has come to do. He has united us. He has brought us near by his blood. And he has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall. And he has killed the hostility so that he might reconcile us to God as one new Man, I, at the seminary, was the head of our ministry leadership program for a lot of years. And as a part of my role there, we had a course that was taught, and I did not teach it, but I went in to sit in on the fellow who was teaching it, a Hispanic fellow. And he was teaching from this passage and talking about the nature of what Christ has done to reconcile people. And so he was talking about how we honor God most powerfully when we as Christians uh, can take the things that the world has tried to use to separate us, segregate us and separate us from each other. And we tear down those walls and we are able to worship together. And from the back of the room, 
a young man who had been a missionary to Croatia raised his hand. And he says, okay, prof, he says, I'm hearing you. He says, but I got to tell you what I deal with on the mission field. He says, in Croatia, he says, God is doing a real work among the Croatians. He says, we are seeing the gospel uh, very powerfully at work among the people of Eastern Europe, and especially in Croatia. He says, many of them are coming to Christ. Some churches are getting started. He says, but we are also seeing the work of Christ among the gypsies. Now, I don't know whether you know any of the history of Eastern Europe and a lot of Europe, but gypsies are a hated minority in almost every country of Europe. Uh, they have uh, existing country, and gypsy comes from uh, what is uh, supposed to be Egyptian, uh, that these are people who had Egyptian roots and had uh, uh, traversed kind of the Mediterranean to live uh, in Europe, perhaps under the Ottoman Empire, and they spread from there. But whatever their origins, they are hated, they're despised. But God was doing a work in them as this missionary was sharing. And he says, this is the problem, prof. He says, if we plant a church among the Croatians, it will grow. He says, Croatians, worshiping with Croatians, that will grow. He says, if we plant a church among the gypsies, it will grow. If it's just gypsies. He says, but if we try to plan a church where both Croatians and gypsies worship together, he says, a Croatian will walk in and if they see a gypsy, they will turn around and they will walk right back out. He says, I'm not worshiping next to any dirty gypsy. And if a gypsy walks in and sees a Croat sitting there, I'm not worshiping next to some filthy Croat. He says, so... Here's my dilemma, prof. He says, I hear what you're saying about what Jesus has done. But he says, in the real world, that doesn't work. Or you've got to tell me how it'll work it. And my Hispanic brother just smiled. He says, you know... He says, what you're talking about is no different from what exists in America with black and white. He says, it's no different from what exists between uh, poor and rich. He says, in a lot of communities. He says, it's no different from what exists between a lot of times, male and female, actually even within the same body of a church. He says, the alienation of this, he says, is a part of our sin natures. He says, we all deal with it. You're not, it's not just in Croatia. And then he said this, I've never forgotten. He said, but just imagine in Croatia, which has this long history of destructive hatred. If there were a church where Croats that Jesus had redeemed and gypsies that Jesus had redeemed, were able to come together and to understand what Jesus had done to reconcile them in his own body to each other, 
removing, killing the hostility. And you had a church, and it may not be large, but you had a church where Croats and gypsies were God taught to love each other. Just imagine what a testimony that church would have in that culture. I often think, how dare we? How dare we build walls that Jesus died to take down? How dare we think that that's a good thing? That it's good to be our own little group, separated from other people that are different from us. We're the one place on the planet where God can prove the difference he makes in people's hearts. Where, again, all the things that often come between us and other brothers and sisters in Christ, and we allow those walls to get erected and we throw bricks in. Well, it's part, I think, of the good works that he's created you to do. To follow Pontifex Maximus. To follow the great bridge builder. And to work to build bridges instead of walls of hostility. So in the process of working through your history... Uh, this is one of the things that I think is real important for everyone to just kind of assess. Have we been wall builders or bridge builders? Because if we have been wall builders, then we can bet that Jesus has an issue with that. And commit ourselves to follow the one who, despite what we were and what we were doing, loved us enough to build a bridge toward us. Commit yourselves today to following Pontifex Maximus, to becoming a bridge builder. Had the Holy Spirit have the right and the permission to speak to you any time you put a brick in a wall. To create division between you and a brother or sister. And if we do that, then we will have a nice, sizable pile of good works that God created beforehand for us to walk in. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we as humans were created flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. We have so much that unites us, especially in the light of what you've done for us. Forgive us, cleanse us from the walls that we have built between ourselves and other believers within this church and without.
cleanse us, make us fresh and new in our understanding of these things and our commitments to follow you and to do what you have created us in Christ Jesus to do. Do that, Lord, and as we come in one body into your presence, may you receive great glory for the way your children are following the great bridge builder. For we ask it in his name. Amen.